So uh, uh, the book of Joshua, go ahead and turn there if you would. The title, Courageous Living in Challenging Times. And I'm going to speak a little bit tonight on spiritual leadership. Uh, in the time that we live, it is very important that leadership be strong, it be definite, and I'll, I'm going to submit to you that it's both uh, a calling and a preparation. And so we're going to look at in the Word of God, and I'm going to, I'm going to read the first verse, and then we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll give a little bit of historical background to what Joshua is going to give us as we start this series. So let's, let's read the first verse, and then I'll, and I'll pray. So it says this, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, and we're going to find out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word and for what it means to us, God. And I just ask for your help right now, God, as we are breaking, Lord, the, the bread of life, Lord, to those that would hear and God, I pray it just wasn't be a preached sermon, but it would be a communicated message that we could grow from, that we could use and apply on in our daily lives, something that we can change even as we leave the auditorium tonight. Thank you for the challenge that you've given me and the help there, God, and we pray that you'd continue uh, the help as we go through the message tonight. In your name we do pray. Amen. Let's finish reading. In verse number two, you're going to see this. You're going to see the Lord sending a message, and there's going to be a commissioning. You're going to see Joshua listening, and he's going to be giving a command. And then we're going to see a confirmation. So as we go through, watch how the dialogue changes from who is speaking. So let's read. Verse number two, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast." There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And he says this, as I was with Moses, so I, what a great promise, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And he, something that is said three times in the passage, verse number six, be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for the inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Verse number seven is a, is a repeat only thee, thou strong and of a good courage. It says, uh, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then when thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then... Thou shalt have good success. Now watch verse number 9 as the communication changes. Have I not commanded thee, be strong, of a good courage, be not afraid, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. And then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pastor of the host, command the people, prepare you victuals. For within three days you'll pass over this Jordan to go into to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. 
And you have the Reubenites, the Gadites, half-tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant, the Lord, command you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you the rest and hath given you this land. He's given them a charge. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Verse 15, And to the Lord hath given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, as they have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then he shall return into the land of your possession and enjoy it which the Moses Lord's servant gave you on this side of Jordan towards the sun rising. And then verse number 16, you have another change. Then they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, he's on his side. He, they've, they've joined the team. So will we hearken unto thee, only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. In verse number 18 as we finish, Whosoever he be that uh, doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken to thy words, this is how much they were committed, in all thy commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. So what's the historical background that we meet the book of Joshua in the first chapter, it's this. The name Joshua itself is a translation. You go from the Greek name Jesus to the Hebrew name Joshua. So it's, a, it's a, the same name. And so Je Jehovah is Savior is another name that you have that goes there. So whatever Israel received in the promised land, they received through the hand of Joshua. But whatever we receive from God is through Jesus Christ. And so that's our picture. That's our Joshua there. The timeline, our events are taking place after the death of Moses. Moses now is the successor, so there is a transition of power. And now Israel is coming out of Egypt. They've entered into a covenant with God. They've spent 40 years in the wilderness. And now they're on the verge of crossing the Jordan and entering into the promised land. Now, biblical history reports two of the what I think, that, and I don't know if I'll get to speak on this depending on where it falls out, but two of the most remarkable events is the walls of Jericho, or kids sing about it. They come tumbling down, and literally the sun stood still in the midst of heaven for Joshua to overthrow those Amorites. So that's the historical background. That's where we're going. But what I want to look at in the book of Joshua is this thing of spiritual leadership. So my question to you that I'll ask you now and I'll ask you at the end is what type of leader? I didn't ask you if you were a leader, but what type of leader are you? Let me give you uh, a few and see where you fit. Now, you are not allowed to do any of this when I tell you. You're not allowed to look at anybody and say, no, no, you're not allowed to do that, okay? You figure it out. Which one are you? I, I was telling my wife as we was coming here, I said, which, which one am I? And so here they are. Here are the four. Four leaders that can be, number one, you can be a builder. Number two, you can be a breaker. Number three, you can be a fixer. Or number four, you can be a maintainer. So there's four areas. Let me give you a little scope and sequence of what each of those look like. So if you're a builder... You like to start new things from scratch. You're a, you're a pioneer. We'd call this a church planner. That's what a builder would be. You see a vision, and you want to make that happen. You're a risk taker. 
you like to try new things just to see what happens with it. Will it work or not? A lot of people want to be a builder, but that's not their primary thing. They want to, that's just too much. There's too much risk in it. What if you're a breaker? Now, I know this sounds negative, but listen to this. Breakers, on the other hand, they have the ability to see what works, or excuse me, see what doesn't work, and they will totally break it down. You say, wait a minute, that's bad. No, wait a minute. They dismantle, they tear apart. Literally, breakers can be the change agent that a business, that a church, that a team. Every now and then, you need, you need a Michael Jordan to, to smack you across the face and say, hey, get with it. We want to be number one. You may be a breaker. You may be a fixer. What does a fixer do? They bring solutions. They fix what the breakers broke, <laughs> okay? They implement goals, accountability for long-term success. They set vision into action. They build teams. They delegate. They want to leave a good legacy to the next generation. That's what a, that's what a fixer would do. And here's number four, probably not the most exciting one, but I would, I would say this. In God's church... I think you have to have at one point in time in, and this is not a bad word, it's how I'm using it, in the evolution of the church in the change, not what we, not the, the theory, but one of these will probably be in place or more at one time or the other. A maintainer keeps the status quo. Main would say this, they hardly ever anticipate growth. They view a major part of their role as postponing decline. And the last thing is this, and boy, this is where you, this is the negative aspect about a maintainer. They maintain, the many maintainers feel guilty about not having a growing church, or they may be quietly skeptical, skeptical or criticize churches if they're growing. That's what a maintainer does. So where do you fall in that category in your leadership style? I would say this to you, true leadership or spiritual leadership is using God's methods to get his people where he wants them so they can rely on him. I want to say that again. Spiritual leadership is using God's methods to get his people where he wants them in reliance on his power. And I think that sums up what you have in Joshua chapter number 1, when you're portraying a servant of Christ. So let's, let's dive into it. The first one is this, Joshua's commission. In verse number one, the Lord speaks to Joshua. He is not a young man at this time, and this is how he has spent his career. He is the number two, a guy, the number two guy. We call them assistants. And you're thinking, man, who wants to come in and be an assistant? Who wants to come in and have that role? But I would say this, that's where the preparation takes place. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 25, the Bible reminds us in a parable that being faithful in small things is so important to grow to the bigger things. Let's, 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 let's look at it right quick. Matthew chapter number 25. If you'll turn over there, Matthew 25, and it says this. I'm not going to read the whole passage just for sake of time, but it says this in verse number uh, 18. Let's start in verse number 18, chapter 25. 
talking about the talents. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them, so that he received five talents, came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Then he says something in verse number 21 that's important. Faithfulness in the small things. Faithfulness in being the assistant and learning is very important. And it says this in verse 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over, what does it say? A what? A few things. Just a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. And he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. And when you look in verse number 23, he repeats that same sentiment. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So what is too small? We've, majority of us in the room have had children at one time, and when you're teaching them how to do those small things, you don't start out with the, with the biggest and best. You try to work their way up, whether it's food, whether it's responsibilities. It's a process and a way of learning from going those few things, those smaller things, to work way up to the greater things. So my question to you is this. With what God has commissioned to you, what are you doing and how are you being faithful with your commission? You say, well, I don't have this. I don't have that. Well, let's approach it from a different, uh, a different side. What about the family that you have been commissioned with? Well, they can't do this. They can't. Wait a minute. Stop. What are you doing as a spiritual leadership in your family? What about the church? Well, I could never do this. I could never do that. What have you been commissioned? Don't give the excuses. Have the action. It could go on and on. Your children, your job, your responsibilities. And this is what happens a lot of times. When our tasks that we do seem unimportant to somebody else, what begins to happen is we begin to look at others and we think, well, man, I don't get to do that. So my job is not important. And that's what happens. The great tempter comes to us. And sometimes it, we, we stop living for the Lord. We will, stop doing, we will stop doing what we're supposed to do because we think we're not doing something big enough. And that is just not true. Everything that God has commissioned us to do, as we see from Joshua, he maps it out just like he can for us. Let me show you this. If you look in verse number 2, how specific was the Lord to Joshua? He said, Moses is gone. There's some things that you can remember from the past, but, man, let's look toward the future. In verse number 2, leadership, if, you, if you're great at that, you will have people that will follow. Look in verse number 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now for there arise, go over this, Jordan, and it says this, all this people, you won't be alone. Leadership takes with it people. Look at verse number three. There's not just a people in leadership. There's a place. Number, in verse number three, he maps it out. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. God has a plan. He will map out every place in your leadership abilities of what you're supposed to do. And then verse, uh, verse number five, man, he's got a promise. There's a people, there's a place, there's a promise. 
I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I read this and studying, I thought, man, this was, this was the home run stuff. Victory is assured not because of Joshua is a great leader or because Israel is a great nation, but because God is a great God. And he says to Joshua, I will be with you. And if you're looking to do something and you want to be a leader, what more do you need than God's backing? I will be with you. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. There's people, there's a place, there's a promise. And number four, man, there's a plan. In verse number eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all according that is written therein. So there's a plan. There's a plan. And the result is in verse number 9. The, re- the result, uh, excuse me, is in verse number 8 at the end. And thou shalt have good success. You shall be prosperous. So whatever you have been commissioned to do, do it well. Let's, let's hurry. Uh, the second one is Joshua's commands. So he's been commissioned. Now he is giving those instructions away. And what I thought about this, the main thing that resonates from this passage for me is this. Prepare and get ready. Notice some of the language that is mentioned um, in verse numbers 10 and 11. Joshua commanded. They passed through. They commanded. They prepared. You know, many people have said different things about preparation. The best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. One army general said this, there are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. Before anything else, an inventor said, preparation is the key to success. So some men have said great things about preparation, but what does the Bible say? I found three verses that I thought were very pertinent to this. First Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. Be prepared. Luke 14.28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Be prepared. 2 Timothy 2, 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be prepared. I thought about this. Christmas was just a few weeks ago, and be honest. How many of you knew of a gift that you were going to get before? Some of you are bad at it. I am bad at it. I, when I have something in my hand that I want to give, I... I can't wait to give it away. I get excited about it. I start thinking about what they're going to do. How many of you were in that situation? You know you were going to get something. Show of hands. Wow. I didn't get any presents, did you? (laughs) Um, You get excited about that. And when you get it, you fake it. But here's what you do. This is what happens. So if you know, if you know you're getting (laughs) $2,000, If you know you're getting a certain amount of money, what, what do you start? You start planning. Oh, I'm going to get this. I'm, I'm, ladies, if you knew that that new ring was coming, you picture yourself and all them little, like, okay, never mind. You, you picture yourself and all these ladies around, you're like, look, look, look. 
you picture your, you're excited about it. Guys, if you know that new rifle's coming in, you've already bought, you've already bought the scope in faith, okay? And you're ready to put it on it. Look, you get just excited knowing it's already there. You are prepared, but you're still just excited in that preparation. Joshua commands the people and says, get ready. And I thought this was a neat verse in verse number 15. Even though they knew what was coming, they knew the promised land was there. But look at verse number 15. It says, until the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it. (laughs) Enjoy it. That is the idea there. So you have Joshua's commands. And then lastly, letter, letter C, you have Joshua's confirmation. I'm going to hurry here. I know this time's not up there. So Joshua's confirmation. The word confirm means this. Establish the truth or correctness. In verse number 16, the Bible said this. All that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send, send us, we will go. One word I thought about in this, in Joshua's confirmation, is the unity of a nation that was essential for what Joshua needed at the time. Unity is essential in the body of Christ for spiritual growth. Divisions, they can dismantle a church. They can confuse a church. And it doesn't show leaders, the, the, the leadership questions what's going on with the people there. He says this, only be strong and of a good courage. He hears that again, and when Joshua hears this from the people, he goes back and, and looks in verses number, number 7, verse number 9, and he remembers, oh, wait a minute, I've heard that before, but now the confirmation is there. It's from the people, it was given by God, and now he checks the box. He, has, he is confirmed in his mind. So as we look at those three ideas, my question to you then is, what then do we look for in a spiritual leader? I'm going to give you three things as we finish up in this the next couple minutes. I think this, a spiritual leader, number one, will pursue God. The pursuit of God is at the top of their list. Philippians 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. I think a great spiritual leader will pursue God. Number two, I think a great spiritual leader will prepare people. When you come to verse numbers of 10, 11, 12, words like pass, command, prepare, you have three days to get ready. A spiritual leader will invest his time in teaching and training the people the ways of the Lord. That's what they're going to do. A spiritual leader will direct you in the ways of the Lord. What am I supposed to do? What's my plan? He'll prepare you. And then number And the last one, number three, I think he will position a people. Everybody wants to follow a good leader. 
in that following, you get the reward, you get the triumph. And so everyone gets behind a good leader and you glean from what happens to them. In verse number 17, they tell Joshua, according as we had hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. In verse number 18, he says, if they rebel, we're going to put them to death. He has positioned the people in a place where they can follow. I think a spiritual leader will pursue God. They'll prepare and position a people. That's what we call allegiance. Joshua was the person for the job, and now the people were ready to follow. As we close tonight, there was a 14th century forerunner of the Reformation who was preaching in a little place called the Bethlehem Chapel. You know him in church history by the name of John Huss. It was said that in this chapel that Huss exposed the superstitions of men, the sins of the clergy, and he fed the hungry with the bread of life. He was asked a question. Are you ready to obey the Pope's command? He said, yes, so far as they agree with the doctrine of Christ. But when, they, but when I see the contrary, I will not obey them, even though you burn my body. The story goes on that the Archbishop of Milan and about six other bishops were appointed to remove John Huss from the Bethlehem Chapel, his church, if you will. As the archbishops removed him, they were saying, We commit thy soul to the devil. And Huss replied back, And I commit it to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as that wood and that straw around his body began to go up in flames, the bystanders that were there heard him say, Into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Life now was extinct for John Huss. And another man you may know by John Wycliffe. Their ashes were thrown there into the Rhine River. What a leader. The delegates that were there watching all this take place, they returned back home. They had revenge in their hearts. All the atrocities that had happened to Huss. They, they thought he was murdered. They thought he was murdered. History tells, of, tells us of those that followed Huss were a group of bohemian nobles armed with thousands of their countrymen and who demanded religious freedom and liberation from their friends cast into prison. History tells us that those people that followed him were the Hussites. Here it is, church. Great leaders have always been a part of every generation. It's our responsibility to carry that torch to the next generation. So my question to you tonight, what kind of leader do you want to be? Which, where do you fall in? My, what I'm imploring you to do is fall in. Be a great spiritual leader. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. The altar's open. Listen, each one of us is a leader. What kind of leader are we? Dads, can I ask you tonight, what kind of leader in the home are you? kind of leader in your church are you what a message tonight matt's going to sing the altar's open if you need a place to pray tonight